It's been more than three weeks since Carlos Correa had his physical with the New York Mets, and he still does not have an official deal. And we're hearing this morning that the Mets are very frustrated with the process going on. And we're also hearing that Correa's camp has started seriously talking to other teams. And so what are the chances that the Giants could get back in the mix? We'll get to that question and many other questions next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspic, and on this show, we provide episodes three days a week for now, back to daily when pitchers and catchers report, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. And coming up on today's show, it is more mailbag questions. I still have a ton left over from the last time uh, we asked for questions. And so thank you again to everyone who submitted them. Jumping right in, this was asked before today's news about what I just mentioned with the Mets reportedly being, quote, very frustrated with the state of negotiations and have contemplated walking away from the deal. The question comes from Daniel, who says, what percentage do you give the Giants of getting Carlos Correa again? And I think this question was asked even before Farhan Zaidi basically came out and started talking about the situation, which to me, I interpreted as when he finally was ready to start talking about it, that they felt like it wasn't going to happen. Because why would just the the tone of what Farhan Zaidi said? It was about, it was I think exactly a week ago, uh, after they introduced Taylor Rogers, he just was talking about how basically what went wrong and why it wasn't going to happen. And so, despite the news this morning that the Mets are very frustrated and that Correa's camp is, I mean, there's a report I think it was Jim Bowden uh, talking about how there was some momentum between the twins and Carlos Correa and that somehow the twins have a higher uh, more of an appetite for taking on risk than the Giants or the Mets which doesn't really make any sense so I don't know how much of this I believe but I put more weight into literally the Giants present of baseball operations commenting on this than you know people in the media kind of leaking bits and pieces of information because in the media these, you know, we don't know who their sources are. Whereas Farhan Zaidi speaking, we know the source. It's him himself. And so I think the odds are very low because what Zaidi said was that I forget exactly the quote, but it was that it was pretty unlikely. I think that's those are his exact words. Pretty unlikely that they end up with Carlos Correa. And so I would put the odds certainly at less than 10%. But given that we're hearing the Mets might walk away from their deal, maybe those odds aren't aren't so much less than 10%. I want to say like 5% is kind of the number I'm thinking of. But if the Mets seriously walk away, the thing though is that if, if it's this much of a problem for the New York Mets, and it was obviously a problem for the Giants, do they even want 
Carlos Correa. They said they circled back with him, but that he was seemingly focused on a deal elsewhere, which seemingly meant the Mets. But if it does fall apart, then perhaps those odds go up again. I'm just very curious as to what that deal is going to be, because if the Mets walk away, it's pretty clear that they weren't willing to drastically, that Correa's camp wasn't willing to drastically, to accept a drastically different offer and maybe weren't willing to accept language in the contract that would totally protect them. So I've seen a lot of, you know, people come up with numbers and years and dollars as proposals, but a lot of them like short term, four years or so, that's great for the team. But the player is, it's going to be hard to convince a guy who was just about to get 13 years, $350 million to accept a four-year deal that's just not going to come close in terms of total money. With this kind of issue with the leg, you don't want a short-term deal if you're the player. This is the moment in time to get the longest possible deal for the most possible money. Short-term is good for the team, but not the player in this situation. And so the saga continues. I just wouldn't, you know, as long as he's still unsigned, there's still a glimmer of hope. But at the same time, there's something clearly wrong. And so do you even really think it would be a good idea to sign a player that the medical experts uh, clearly have concerns about? But maybe those concerns are mostly when you're talking 12, 13 years. And if you were able to go like six or even eight, maybe you're you're willing to take that risk a little bit more. So anyway, I'm going less than 10%, maybe seven and a half, five, some, somewhere in that range is where I'm going today. Next question from Eddie says, who says, is there any semi-realistic scenario where Casey Schmidt is starting is the starting third baseman on opening day? And I guess this is kind of a quick answer. No, I don't think so. Because mostly because like he he made it to AAA at the end of last year, but he only got a handful of at bats there. And so I just don't I mean, I guess if he hits, you know, has a 900 on base percentage with a 1500 slugging during spring training playing every day and making spectacular defensive plays and if there's injuries to some of the major league players perhaps but that's not semi-realistic and so I think he starts in AAA and he'll probably have a month or two there at minimum and then if he performs well he could definitely be a call up in the middle or perhaps somewhat early part of 2023 but I think they want to have him kind of prove that he's dominating in AAA and then he would get that opportunity, which is a big deal. People like sleeping on the Giants farm system, honestly. I was just rereading Baseball Prospectus came out with their top 10 Giants prospects list in November. I read it at the time, but I was just looking at it again today because I've seen some recent articles kind of indicating that the Giants farm system is not good or something like that. But Baseball Prospectus, by the way, had the Giants ranked number two in the sport for their farm system coming into 2022. And, you know, their write-up basically says there was a some disappointing years for some big-time prospects, but overall it's still a strong system. And if you read the write-ups on, you know, Marco Luciano, Kyle Harrison, and also the point baseball prospectus makes which i agree with when i look at these guys is that for the first time in a decade they've got some good prospects like ready to debut i know they had joey bart and elliot ramos but i wasn't 
as hopeful on those guys. You look at some of the issues with uh, Joey Bart, you could kind of see the struggles that he's had in the majors coming a little bit. And Elliot Ramos, I mean, he was never really a top prospect. Whereas guys like Kyle Harrison, you see the upside of front of the rotation type arm. Casey Schmidt with that defense plus the bat is enticing. And so anyway, I think we're sleeping on the system a little bit. And Casey Schmidt is a big part of that. So Coming up in just a minute, we're going to get to more questions and answers. We're going to talk about more young guys, including Kyle Harrison, Luis Matos, Casey Schmidt. And if they if the Giants should just throw these guys into the fire in 2023 and see what they have. So we'll get to that question in just a minute. But before we do, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all of the fat and calories, then you gotta try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays and I know that my goal and pretty much everybody's goal is always to eat healthier in the new year. And with Built, that is easily accomplished because it's like you're you're eating a candy bar, honestly, with these Built Bars. And yet they come in with incredible macros, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein in a typical bar. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built bars. You can pick a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors. Brownie batter, one of my favorites, and churro. How could you not love that? Anyway... You can thank me later. All right, as promised, we are going to get to more questions and answers. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. Locked on MLB Prospects host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. Speaking of prospects, right? And he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. So the next question, sticking on this prospect theme... I really want to like contribute to changing the narrative here about, I don't know, I just think like people were high on the giant system and then some key guys had a little bit of down years, had some injuries in 2022, and now we're acting like they're horrible. I think what's happening is that we're looking at like certain ranking systems, right? We're looking at MLB pipeline says that they're number 18. Well, baseball perspectives, when they come out with their rankings which they haven't done yet they've done top 10 for i think almost every team at this point but they haven't like ranked the systems right and all the 30 organizations who's the best who's the worst etc and everywhere in between they're going to come out and giants are probably still going to be in the top five for them and so different sources have different evaluations prospect analysis is like it is far from a perfect science and so i just wouldn't read too much into like an individual source says this versus i mean because i you know where was camilo doval ranked on prospect lists the year before he became an elite reliever where was logan webb ranked on prospect lists before he became a top of the rotation type arm the answer is neither of them were ranked too highly by prospect evaluators. And I'm not saying, therefore, even if you're ranked poorly, you're good. I mean, of course, it's good to get these, you know, it's good to get the analysis and look at what people are saying. But I don't know. I think we're sleeping on the rank, the systems that do rank the Giants well and overvaluing the ones that don't. And 
they're just kind of going off the down year, but coming into the year, they were better. And so I don't know. I just think that we're we're making too much of it. Jacob says, after an extremely disappointing offseason, should the Giants just try to get young guys like Kyle Harrison, Luis Matos, Casey Schmidt, and others up and try to see what they have instead of trading them away? I mean, I don't think it's either get them up and see what they have or trade them away. They could just let them develop at their normal pace, not trade them away, but also not just thrust them into the major leagues. Like with Harrison and Schmidt, that's probably going to happen. They, they're, But, you know, this is the question about will Schmidt be the starting third baseman? I don't think the, the way prospect and prospect kind of timelines work in, in baseball is that you want guys to develop along you don't want to push them, right? Like if they're only in high A, which is the case with Luis Matos of the names you mentioned, you're not just going to move someone from high A to the major leagues. Like they're going to let him play double A. And if he performs well there, then move to triple A. And if you're, if he performs well there, then you give him that opportunity. Sometimes when guys are just dominating at a otherworldly level at like double a you skip triple a and just put them in the big leagues and see what you have but you know with harrison and schmidt the point is they've made it uh harrison pitched a lot in double a but he didn't quite get to triple a so he's probably going to start in triple a along with casey schmidt and they have a chance i mean you're right on the doorstep there and so they will they're not going to trade harrison like i don't that's just not going to happen unless they get some kind of amazing return for him. But I, I haven't heard th- about them thinking of trading Casey Schmidt either. And so I don't know quite what you mean instead of trading them away. I don't think that a lot of fans suggest like trading away Marco Luciano for three years of Brian Reynolds. I have been consistent in saying I don't think something like that is a good idea, given that you're only getting three years of a Brian Reynolds, whereas... I mean, if it was like five, six years of a Brian Reynolds, that's a different story. But three years is just too few years of team control to give up a player who's kind of a consensus top 20 prospect in the sport. In my opinion, I just don't think the Giants are in the position where they can afford to do that at this moment in time. But, you know, I I just doubt that they end up trading high-end prospects for anything at this point. And what's going to be important to the future success of the Giants organization is that these guys make it to the San Francisco Giants and become contributors. Not everyone has to hit, but some of their top guys certainly do have to hit at some point and at some point soon. And I really think that 2023, we finally start to see some impact prospects making an impact at the major league level. So Look, they're not just going to skip guys ahead. They're like people were clamoring for Joey Bart, right, to make the major leagues uh, in 2020 when he had, you know, it was a weird, obviously, season with no minor league season. He was at the alternate site, and people were certain that the Giants were just kind of holding him down for service time manipulation and that he was ready. And then he comes up and he completely and utterly struggled. And so that's why you don't just throw these guys in at a level. I mean, they deemed him ready enough and that it was worth him struggling to get that development because there was no minor league system. But if you have a minor league, or excuse me, no minor league season, I think I always say that accidentally, 2020, no minor league season because of COVID. And 
So if you have a minor league season, just let them develop. And if they dominate at a level, move them up and then let them continue to move up until they're here. Anyway, next question from Nathan, who says, do you think this roster right now is better than the 2021 107 win roster was? And it's a really interesting question, Nathan. The reason I'm going to say no is because of Buster Posey. Uh, And having that kind of Hall of Fame type player, career giant leadership and impact talent uh, makes made a big difference. And then Brandon Crawford having the type of season he had. But like you're saying, like objectively, not knowing what kind of season they had. I think it's closer than people think. I think it's reasonable to say it's reasonable to make an argument that perhaps they are better than the 2021 team. But Buster Posey was kind of the piece that brought the San Francisco Giants together. And now they kind of have a leadership void. And, you know, you're also getting elite production out of a position where a lot of teams don't even have halfway decent production. So it's it's closer than people realize. And I just never understand when, you know, here we are in January, also this happening in December. There's a lot of confidence in saying, the Giants will not be good or the Giants won't make the playoffs or whatever people are saying with utter confidence. I just turn that around and say, what did you, what were these same people saying prior to the 2021 season was literally anybody. I know we are bold take going into 2021 was that the Giants would be 86 and 76, 10 games over 500. It was a hot take and they go out and win 21 more games than that. And so it just goes to show you that baseball is really hard to predict. And so one thing that I just never can really have a lot of patience for is when we act like we know exactly what's going to happen every single year. Like if you know, you can make a fortune betting on baseball because nobody knows and the over-unders and all that stuff is hard in Major League Baseball. And so, and then people say, well, it was a once in a hundred year miracle season. And that may be true, but this is what I keep saying. They didn't have to win 107 games. Like this year's team, if you're like, okay, they're somewhat similar to the 2021 team talent wise, but they're never going to repeat 2021. Well, they don't have to, they could win 90 games and it would, it would be a good regular season and they would very likely make the playoffs. I'm not saying 90 wins is the goal. I would love them to be a hundred win team every year, but you know, the first goal is to just get into the, it's to win the division, of course. But then the second goal is just to make the playoffs some other way. And I don't know, like you don't need a 107 win miracle season. You just need some things to go right and win 90 something games and then you can get into the playoffs. So we don't know what's going to happen and just make your put yourself in the best possible position. I don't think they're at like clearly below 500 team. I think you definitely can make a case they're better than they were at the end of last year even though they lose a Carlos Rodon. That makes it tougher, but I do think you could make a case that they're better than they were last year when they underperformed. I would say last year was an underperformance. They probably should have won some more games than they did, and the defense really crushed them and should be better. It doesn't look great, but it doesn't look like the worst defense in the league, at least at this moment in time. So coming up in just a minute, more questions and answers. What the heck is going on with Luis Gonzalez, the forgotten guy in all this? We don't even talk about him much. What's going to happen with him? And how about a specific over-under question? Will the Giants win more or less games than this number? We'll get to it in just a second. But before we do. 
All right. As promised, more questions and answers. The next one coming from Christy, who says, what do you think is happening with Luis Gonzalez? And it is a good question because I, mean, I haven't mentioned his name almost at all, all offseason long. And, you know, he had his moments with the 2022 Giants. He started off really well and then went cold. A lot of the success that he had seemed to be, you know, BABIP fueled. I hate to use that word. It's kind of the worst sounding word ever. But Average on balls in play was like 400-something, which just wasn't going to last. We talked about it a bunch during the season, and sure enough, it fell rather dramatically. So he's not currently projected as someone to make the major league roster. Like when we look at, I mean, they've got Mike Yastrzemski, Mitch Haniger, Michael Conforto, Austin Slater, Wade, Tyro Estrada, like all those guys are... The first several I mentioned are like pure outfielders. And then guys like Wade and Estrada are guys who could play outfield if needed. And Jock Peterson, you could throw him into that category. And so there doesn't appear to be space for Luis Gonzalez on the opening day roster. But he does have a minor league option. And this may be news to those of you who have been listening to me because I said all last year that he wasn't going to have an option in 2020. Three, but in fact, he does, as far as I know, because he's one of these guys. I think what happened was he was sent down at some point last year. And when we say, you know, he has an option or he doesn't have an option, these are option years. And you can, oh God, there's a new rule. Like six times, five times a year, you can get sent up and down. And all throughout the year, they can send you up and down. And that only counts as one option being used, one option year. And so when, you're added to a 40 man for the first time. You get three option years. And for Gonzalez, he only had one remaining last year and they sent him down at some point. And so I was like, yes, they used his option year last year. They used his last option year, but apparently he wasn't down for long enough and you have to be down for a certain number of days. I'm forgetting exactly what it is. And once that period of time passes, then you've used the option year. But he wasn't down for that long. And so the fact that he came back up, it doesn't count. And so he enters the year with one more option year remaining. I'm looking for him. Yeah, I mean, according to roster resource, he's still got an option year remaining. So what's going to happen with him? He's going to start the season in probably AAA. And if there's an injury, which there almost certainly will be at some point, we'll see him again. And the fact that he'll start the year in AAA will mean that will be an option used. So this will be his last option year, assuming it gets used. But that would be how I expect them to use him. And that, like I said, that they can send him up and down all year long, given that he has one option year remaining. The next question comes from Lane, who says, if the Giants don't feel like trading for Trent Grisham, would a deal for Aaron Hicks to gain a prospect work? Hicks could still potentially be a contributor and just anything the Giants can do if they can do that kind of move where basically they're taking on somebody else's bad underwater contract in order to buy a prospect I'm all in favor of that anytime they can do it I just think that those opportunities don't come up very often and I'm not sure the Yankees are any exception I'm not sure they want to do this it depends on if the team is that desperate to shed payroll and these days it's hard like to get teams to part with young talent even when you're taking on a bad contract so for Hicks I mean I don't I would not love taking on this player at this moment in time he is uh 
Yeah, I mean, first of all, like I said, the Giants outfield is kind of full already. Hicks has three more years that he's under contract, plus a club option with a somewhat substantial buyout. Uh, No, it's just a $1 million buyout. So it's three years. It's about $30 million guaranteed. So it's it's not a high cost, but it's not a player I would love taking on at you know, for three more guaranteed years. But depending on what the Yankees would be willing to attach to him to get rid of the contract, then sure. But it's got to be enticing enough to justify taking on three years of a player who's potentially not going to help you at all. So, I mean, you're saying he could help, but their outfield's kind of full. He's showing signs of decline. He's been injured a lot. It's just not a player I would love to take on unless it was enticing enough with the player being attached. Next question from Bay Area Fam who says, would you put the Giants over or under 87 wins for next season with the roster right now? And Joser, or Hoser, I don't know, with a J, uh, says over under 80 wins. And so I want to say, like if I was betting on this, I would probably take the under on 87 wins, but I don't think it's too far under. Like I would probably put them at like 86 Speaking of like 2021 versus 2023 teams, I did say 2021 team 86 wins. And so I'm kind of landing there right now for 2023, but over under 80 wins, I would definitely say over on that. I'm not guaranteeing that they will be over. I'm saying I would take the over if I was betting on this. Uh, Again, last year, you can't just look at what did they do record wise last year and then say, well, They're worse now than they were last year, which is debatable, and therefore it's under 80. It's more like, what was the talent last year? What was the run differential, which suggested, I think, a couple more wins at least? And the defense, so many things went wrong. Like, pretty much as much went wrong in 2022 as went right in 2021. It was just a lot didn't go well. Nothing really broke their way in 2022. And so, I don't know. I think 86 wins is kind of a reasonable number here, which is disappointing. If that ends up being true, then there's going to be a lot of unhappy fans, and justifiably so, I think. And, you know, a Correa acquisition would have perhaps pushed them into the low 90s, I think. And so that's kind of where I'm at. Under 87, just barely, but over 80, 80 kind of somewhat comfortably is where I'm at right now. So anyway... That is all the time we have for today. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked on MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. It helps me out a lot, so thank you in advance, and thank you to everyone who's done so already. I can't wait to be with you again next week. Thanks again for listening. You are now Locked on Giants.